Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie and feel my body growing. My bones have started glowing. Oh, wow. The time has come for showing that I'll shape you up and work you out. My body feels exciting. My soul is synthesizing. My whole frame is jumping. I'm working out and having fun. Work it out. You've got to move your soul. Work it out. You've got to feel the heat. Work it out. You've got to move your soul. Wow. And I, I won't go into the the rest of it well you took my quote i'm kidding uh and my name is matt and sola chuba kia <laughs> which is hatis for you might be allowed to leave here alive yeah i was actually going to uh do the uh <laughs> i but i couldn't do it uh I wouldn't be able to to do the Hatties just kind of like on the fly, so I just did the basic translation of it. <laughs> All right. So today we will be, if you haven't figured it out, we will be reviewing um, the second episode of Star Wars Visions entitled Tatooine Rhapsody, which originally aired on September 22nd, uh, 2021. Not aired, it was originally released. Um, but before we get to that... Did you do any Star Wars this week, Jamie? Yeah, uh, a few days ago, um, I took a little break during uh, the workday, and I watched Twilight of the Apprentice, uh, the uh, the um, the uh, season finale of Rebels uh, season two, and that it doesn't get any better than that. That is probably one of the some of the best Star Wars ever, and it's like because it kind of like sealed. You know my love of like like Ahsoka. She's become one of my favorite characters. I you know I think I, I went for the full uh, you know like I went with like how everybody was like Ugh, she's boring to like oh god she's great I love her I want more of her I want more of her yeah hard hard agree I was always a fan of Ahsoka because um, I, I I like I like that sort of sassy brat character she started out being but I love that. We got we get such a huge arc with her. I don't think we know when her TV show starts yet, but we do have a release date for the Boba Fett show, which is December 29th, I think, of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think 2022 is going to be continuous Star Wars live action shows because we have we know we have Boba Fett, Kenobi, Andor, and Ahsoka coming, and if they spread them out correctly, I guess and Mandalorian. If they spread them out correctly, they could cover the whole year with very few interruptions um, between the series. So maybe we'll see some more live-action Ahsoka. That would be great. I would love that immensely. I got a little bit of Star Wars this week, but I'm still still getting my butt kicked at work. Um, I made it deeper into that Legends novel, um, Rogue Squadron. It's getting really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad I'm listening to it. I just have to constantly pause my I have a tendency to try to fit things into existing timelines like canon timelines and this is an alternative timeline and so things aren't like meshing so I had this whole like history of post indoor that they went over and I was like that's not, none of that is right I was like oh never mind this was written well before any of the sequel stuff uh, and the Disney reboot but uh, it would it was it's an interesting take on what the empire was going to be. They were still very much in charge um, years after the fall of um, Palpatine, and mm-hmm. this book takes place maybe like five ten years after that, and they still control about half of the galaxy, and they're just chipping away at it, um, both sides. Uh, so it's really really fascinating to hear sort of this like like prolonged insurgency type of war um, happening rather than everything is fine. You know, the next morning everybody wakes up and everything is good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit, little bit more of sort of our modern expectations of how war will go, which is never ending, um, rather than happily, happily ever after. Yeah, the, you know, the books get into how the, like, you know, Jedi makes it seem the Empire fell, but, you know, we know from the 
well, from the ex- the EU novels and then the um, like aftermath and all the novels that came afterwards that they they did not fall. You know, it took them like it took over a year for them to finally uh, to finally kind of be destroyed. And even then, they weren't really they, a bunch of them escaped into the into the unknown regions. And then, you know, for the Operation Paperclip of uh, you know the First Order and uh, and then there. Operation, really Paper, sp- Operation Paperclip is when we brought Nazi scientists to America. I don't think there's an equivalent in Star Wars, is there? Um, no, I'm just trying to be funny. Um, <clears throat> emphasize <laughs> Sorry. trying. Sorry. <laughs> um, I was just no, hoping, I was hoping there would be something like that, though. Did we, they ever? Did they ever explain what happened to like the rest of the 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 Empire once you know like? Um, the Battle of Jakku happens, you know, the nope. Ray Sloan and everybody else, you know, nope. goes into hiding. The rest of the uh, the Empire, the, uh, what's his, what's his name? Uh, uh, the Grand Vizier, um, Mas- Masamita signs the peace treaty. So did the Empire just dissolve or was it still sort of there? I don't think Masamita had any power. I don't think he, I don't think he had the authority. I mean, I, he might have technically had the political authority, but... You're, you're hitting on exactly what I wanted to talk about if we went down this sort of rabbit hole for a second, is Sloan. We don't know what happens to her. We don't know what happens to her fleet. We don't know what happens to any of that that third, that jump away at the end of Aftermath. Presumably, maybe they, some of them are at Exegol, or some of them found Exegol, but it's always been, like, we've speculated a lot that they would have run into the Chiss out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Cause why not? Yeah, because it they made it they've made it uh, sound through the, some of the novelizations that they um, you know that they conquered a lot of people you know like uh, uh, people out there yeah. uh, in like the unknown regions. Though the, from the Thrawn books, the Chiss don't seem like somebody that they could just w- walk over. But you know, Sloane you know Sloan was part of the First Order. Yeah, uh, at least at one point. Yeah, she's referred um, to. She's referred to in something, but they never say what happened to her. Yeah, it's it's just assumed that she either got like uh, pushed out or was assassinated. She got the which, Hux. She got the Hux treatment. Yeah. The the father Hux, I mean, not the son Hux. Right, right, because uh, the the um the, the stormtrooper commander uh, Cardinal, who was kind of Phasma's uh, equivalent for the younger uh, recruits. You know, he tries to talk with Hux, and you know, he he obviously respects Sloane, and she's like nowhere to be found. Saying that you know she's, I can't remember the exact words, but you know she's basically she's gone. She she doesn't matter anymore. Right. Yeah. And they need to fill that in for me because I think I think that twenty year gap there is pretty important. Yeah. And also, what about um, in Lost Stars, um, Th- uh, Thane Kyrell's uh, brother? Yeah. Was with uh, an Imperial remnant um, with Nash uh, Windrider. You know, were they? You know, were they part of the remnant or were they a different remnant? So uh, yeah, that could be a whole thing. There's multiple plot lines that lead into this black hole, right? Mm-hmm. That, that that they can easily explore. And I think yeah. picking up Thane's brother and Nash Windrider's story and somehow linking them up with Sloan and the older Hux would make a lot of sense to me and really show us the origin, the real origins of the first order. Right. Because it's also, a, um, from the, um, the Ahsoka episode of the Mandalorian, it, it, uh, she makes it, it, makes it sound like Thrawn is still active in the galaxy with the empire or he, or, well, maybe he's not, he's just, maybe he's just doing his own thing now for the Chiss or something. I don't. I don't know. At least she th- she thinks he's still alive. At least for mm-hmm. some reason that we don't know. All right. I don't want to get too far afield because this is a we're supposed to be reviewing um, a cartoon today. Oh yeah, right. Um, is there? <laughs> we don't want to give. We don't want to give too much away. But uh, um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into the summary? No. All right. All right. Um, so today, we, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to review the second episode of Star Wars Visions entitled Tatooine Rhapsody. Um, and this is about a band. 
in the Star Wars universe. Um, its runtime is about 13 minutes, and it's got quite an interesting cast. And so I thought we could do what we normally do and just talk about the cast at the top of the show. Um, there is a small cast of characters that make up the band, and we could just talk about a couple of them. Um, the sort of lead vocalist of the band is a character named Jay, and he is played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, or JGL. Uh, he, of course, is a very popular actor who's been in a lot of things, um, like Third Rock from the Sun, but he is also a Star Wars alum, and I know you said before we started recording that it would be great to see um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Star Wars, and I told you he was in Star Wars, but you just didn't recognize him. Um, he played uh, one of the Abednidos. Abednidos? Abenidos. Abenidos. Okay, Abenidos. Um, he played the one in Canto Bite that points out to the police where Rose um, illegally parked. Wow, that's cool. And I, I, go ahead. I say, yeah, I, I remember. I specifically remember him because he's wearing nice clothes. At least I think. Yeah, he was. He was wearing like a like a white like tunic thing. And do you know what the do you know what the joke about the Abenidos is? Uh, they all have Beastie Boys names. Yep. And so his Abenito is called Slow and Low. S L O W E N space L O. So that is a reference to the Beastie Boys song. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's so I, I would welcome I would welcome him to Star Wars, but he 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 had a speaking part in a movie, so he's already in Star Wars. Yeah, but Mark Hamill was you know he'd um. He was obviously Luke Skywalker, and he's also been uh, like other things, like the 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 guy that gives them the uh, information about uh, Exegol. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, gets decapitated. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm just teasing. Um, this is obviously very it's very cool to have. You disgust back. me. <laughs> so the there's a, also a hut in this cartoon. His name is Jeezer, or G for short. <laughs> And he's played by um, SNL alum Bobby Moynihan, who's sort of the the heavyweight, the, heavy, the token yeah. heavy guy. Yeah, the token heavy guy, who's always like, playing like the middle aged dad. Yeah, well, they already got Horatio Sands, and but I, I guess he's in trouble for some some bad stuff. Uh, yeah, he might be in a little bit of trouble. Um, so we don't speak about Horatio Sands anymore, but it's. Bringing Bobby Moynihan in, in is sort of a fun, um, fun entry into Star Wars. Um, but he also is a Star Wars alum. He played a bunch of characters on Resistance, which we really? have. Yep, he was a voice. Yeah. He's a voice actor in Resistance. Um, just going down the list real quick. Um, there's a sort of a three-bodied devil-looking drummer named Lan in the band, um, and he's played by Mark Thompson. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, and if you were a fan of, if you've ever listened to a Star Wars audiobook, you're a fan of Mark Thompson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I think he's the one where, like, he's like every voice, like he does, like I can hear um, Galen Erso, and I'm pretty sure that's Mark Thompson, because like his his wise voice is like Galen, uh, yeah, Galen Erso, um, Qui Gon Jinn, and some others. But I'm digressing. No, I, I love Mark Thompson's work, and and that's a good description of him. He does a great sort of wise old man. Um, I just want to do a couple more. I'm just sort of hitting the highlights. We have Shelby Young here, and she plays the droid who's a guitarist. And we've talked about her before because she is a Bad Batch actor. Um, she played a bunch of characters in Bad Batch, and she plays all of the women characters in... Um, Forces of Destiny. So she plays like Jen Erso and Princess Leia um, and all the Forces of Destiny shorts. Mm-hmm. And then we have sort of a fun um, cameo. I don't know if it counts as a cameo or not, but it is uh, Tamara Morrison uh, plays Boba Fett. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I did. I did appreciate that. That's pretty much everybody in the cast that I was going to highlight today. 
um, it's a really, really solid English cast uh, for the English language version of this. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into the plot? Uh, no. Before we get into the plot, though, um, I know how divided fandom is about this episode. And I think we're going to strive to sort of embody that division today. And so if we get... We're not going to argue with each other, dear listener. But if we get in a disagreement, it's not because we disrespect the art. It's because we, we disagree on how effective this was as a story or um, how it fits into what we think Star Wars can be. Um, so I just want to say that up front because I think you and I are going to have some discussion points about this one. At least I hope so. Probably. You're just going to sit there quietly and pout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well there's a reason why you, you were doing this one and, and not me y- you would be much more um, better positive <laughs> positive support positive. yeah you, you wouldn't just be shitting on it the entire time like I probably would be yeah we did we did no one no one would notice if we didn't say anything but we did trade um, all right so let's do the plot summary um, so the episode opens up with a blaster fire, blaster fire, and a pile of droids and clones. It is sort of a crazy opening. The Padawan is running through a hallway, and blaster shots are going off. And he, and he sort of falls through an open doorway, down a little bit, and into some sort of vehicle where this hut is. And the hut asks the boy who he is. The boy doesn't immediately answer, but later we learn his name is Jay. So we, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say I didn't even realize that it was a hut at first because it maybe it's just the uh, the style, but it, it doesn't look like he doesn't look like a hut at all. It took me it took me a while to figure out that it was a hut. Um, so I'm I'm right there with you. When he falls through the roof of this thing, it's sort of like this big weird blob alien with like hair, and I'd never seen a hut with hair. I guess I guess the Marlon Brando hut has hair. But this is this is like a ponytail. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of hair. Yeah, and so we learn his name is Jay. Um, so then there's a time jump. It's not super obvious, but if you're paying attention, you can figure out. You flash forward to an indeterminate amount of time into the future. They're in a concert hall. It's sparsely populated. Jay is on the stage, sort of singing a pop punk song. Um, there's a the crowd is sort of lazily swaying to the music. Jay introduces the band as Star Waver and, inter- and introduces the players around the stage. On the flaming rumble bass, Gee, the hut from earlier. On the versatile clustered um, drums, Lan is sort of a three-bodied, um, red-skinned devil thing. Yeah, I can't say that I'm... I, I, I like this... This is, this is a very uh, anime sort of character, but it's very like impractical. The Lan. Y- yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't quite get him. I thought maybe he would have three voices, but he only has one, um, mm-hmm. and I thought that was a little strange. Um, there, there's only, there, there's no mention of his species anywhere outside of this cartoon, and so this is very much a one-off. Impractical design, like a lot of, like most of the characters are aliens in. Star Wars, you can sort of understand that. Okay, yeah, they, you know, maybe, you know, that's you know, like, um, like Ithorians, you know, you can see how they evolved into that, you know, you know that there, there's got to be something, you know, on their planet that caused, you know, that species to become the dominant one and evolve, you know, you know, into the sentient dominant race, but you know. From for practicality, there just doesn't seem like why is there like three bodies on one set of legs, and they're pointing in different directions. Yeah, there always there's there always seems to be a logic behind it, like wild biology, but like you said, a reason. But we do have that sort of two-headed announcer from the Boon to Eve. Not quite yeah, as bad as this, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't really like that one either. Yeah, I don't either. But this is like literally conjoined triplets that are like conjoined mm-hmm. to the waist. All right, let's keep going though. Um, the electrified dual guitars is a droid named Curdy, and Jay tries to introduce himself, but there's mic feedback. 
they have a roadie droid called V5. Um, all of a sudden, the music cuts out, and Boba Fett comes in and says he has business with the hut. He actually says business with the slug. Um, G asks if Jabba wants their autograph. That's sort of a, like, fuck you sort of moment for G, showing he's really punk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a fight ensues, and then it sort of, I thought this fight implied that their musical instruments were also weapons, because they're like shooting lightning bolts out of it, or clubbing them with, with, with them, and they turn off all the lights, Boba Fett uses his rocket pack inside this concert hall, um, but eventually the band escapes in the van, it's a very chaotic fight. It sort of looks like the ship from Spaceballs. <laughs> You're right. The Winnebago. Um, Boba Fett watches them leave. The band in the getaway vehicle um, were talking. They said they wish they could finish a show. This is the third time their show has been interrupted by a bounty hunter trying to collect G. And then all of a sudden, Boba Fett's starship, I can't remember the name. Um, Immigrant One. Immigrant One is in hot pursuit. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) My name is Annie, and I'm a starship. So, um, Boba Fett's in pursuit in Slave One, and um, he's shooting at the at the Spaceballs vehicle. Um, at this point, Jay, the Padawan lead singer, joins the I've Got a Bad Feeling About This Club as they are shot down by Boba Fett and crash. Um, in the wrecked ship, Boba Fett shows up and tells Gee that he's marked for execution. Um, Gee says he doesn't know why or what he's done, and Fett says he knows what he's done and G says he just doesn't want to work for the hut syndicate he wants to rock after some back and forth G agrees to go with Fett mostly because Fett is threatening everybody else J runs out of the ship um, following his friend and he pulls out his lightsaber we have no idea how much time has passed since the opening scene where he was running um, but he pulls his lightsaber out uh, Fett asks him if he really wants to do what he's about to do and Jay tries to light his lightsaber, and it fizzles out. Uh, G is taken by Fett, leaving the other band members behind in the wrecked ship. All right, so back in the ship, Lan is trying to fix the ship with uh, V5 and Curdy. Jay is sulking, and uh, Curdy tells him to help. Everyone else is. Jay is upset that he couldn't help G. Curdy says they were just a band. Jay says he can't abandon G, not after all they've been through. So flashback to the time they met Jay. Um, back when they met, Jay was a Padawan. Um, G asks Jay who he is. Jay reaches out, and G grabs his hand. Now, this was supposed to be sort of a moment that explained their backstory together, and it completely missed for me. I didn't understand what was going on here, but I think we can talk about it a little bit later with some speculation. Do you have any thoughts about this flashback? Get off my back, bitch! No. Um, back in the wrecked ship, uh, V5 plays a recording of the first time the band played together. They reminisce. Jay runs outside and screams into the void. It's also pouring rain at this point. Jay says to Curdy, she was right. They are just a band. The rain stops and Jay is smiling. He has a plan. Um, cut to the arena on Tatooine, where the pod race was held, the Boonty Eve Classic. Uh, we see Bib Fortuna leading G sort of in the bowels of the stadium. And he removes G's binders, um, and he is surprised. G sees the rest of the band, and they make and that they have made a deal with Jabba to perform one song before G is executed. Um, I guess he's going to be executed at the Boonta Eve arena for everybody to watch. I can't imagine why thousands of people are there. It's never clear. At first, you know, for... There's a brief moment that I thought that he was stinky from um, um, the Clone Wars. Yeah, the uh, Clone, Clone Wars, Wars movie. movie. Yeah. But, you know, that it became apparent that that was not the case. No, I, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't that. I'm glad he wasn't stinky. Um, but that his name is Rhoda. But, um, yeah, I'm glad that didn't turn out to be the case. The Boonti Classic Stadium is full of people. The rest of the band convinced G to play with them because G doesn't 
G originally doesn't want them to do this because he thinks they're just going to get in the way of his execution and basically get killed as well. All right, so let's rock. (laughs) So, So this place does not have a stage. And so they're sort of dropped off from a Jabba's skiff thing onto the roof of one of the buildings to perform. Um, when Jay walks out on this makeshift stage, uh, he's sort of stopped for a moment by a Gamorrean guard because of his microphone. It sort of looks like a lightsaber, but he says, it's just a lightsaber, or it's just a microphone. And then it makes a lightsaber noise. <laughs> I, I really wanted this to pay off, um, but it does not. So they set up, and then they start singing their song, and the crowd is really into it. And so the the song, I don't know if you're looking at the notes or not. Here, I, I have the song. Okay, do you want to play it? All right. Okay, I don't want to play the whole thing because I don't know if we'll get into trouble or not. <laughs> oh, I doubt it. <laughs> it's three and a half minutes long. <laughs> that's Look the up. Better, that's the better reason not to play the whole thing. <laughs> Look up uh, Mecco Ewok Celebration on YouTube, and you too can enjoy <laughs> the the Ewok rap. <laughs> we'll put a link. We'll put a link in the show notes. <laughs> All right. So so they play this song, um, the Tatooine Rhapsody, or the alternative title, title you are okay. Um, and I don't know if you're looking at the notes or not, but I um, couldn't find the lyrics written anywhere online. And so I typed them out um, from the closed captioning. And oh, so, bro. Uh, hold on one sec. <laughs> okay, please continue. I, I, w- I was trying to think of an example of what band they sound like but they are like a generic pop punk band what, what do you think genre of music they fit into it's a very well first of all it's a very earth modern dated song this song is not going to sound like it sounds today in 10 years yeah um i think that's a i think that's a good kind of like the pop punk it's not really I, you know I, I hate to really it's, call it punk it's not clash it's like it's like Green Day, sort of. It's it's much closer to Green Day or like Blink One Eighty Two or something. Yeah, not like Gigi Allen. No, he's not. They're not. He's not shoving his lightsaber uh, lightsaber microphone up his ass (laughs) (laughs) and throwing diarrhea on the crowd. (laughs) He's not doing the Sid Vicious thing of carving "I Need a Fix" with a razor blade into his chest while while his bandmates yell at him to pick up his guitar. He's not gonna accidentally. He's not gonna quote unquote accidentally kill his Nancy. I don't like. It's it's that genre, right? It's 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 just it's not four chords, right? It's like B A E rather than like C F G B flat. You know, it's 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 very basic music, but it's not for for a twelve minute show. You can tell they put a lot of thought into the music, but it's pop punk Avril Lavigne sort of stuff. He was a skater. Huh? He said, "See you later." But that's why I'm not in the music industry. <laughs> there you go. And so I, I wrote out the the lyrics and the notes, not because I wanted to read the lyrics, but, but I think the theme the theme of the song is important for the plot. Um, and so the the lyrics, the English language lyrics. You can also listen to the Japanese version if you go to YouTube. If you're if you're curious, um, it does sound pretty cool in in the original Japanese. Um, I can't speak for the fidelity of the translation, because I don't speak Japanese. But the song is really about introducing yourself to the world and having some integrity behind who you're representing yourself to be. Um, and and being that inspiration for other people. And that's, that's what all of the lyrics are about. Which is really funny, given the uh, end of the... Uh how this episode ends okay we'll get there then because we're about to get to the end um and i want to know what you mean by that because i think we have a 
there's something I'm thinking of, but I, I'm curious if they get the same thing. So they finish the song, and after the song, so during the song, the crowd is getting way into it, right? They're clapping and they're chanting. Even Java's tail is sort of wiggling and, and tapping with the beat. Um, after the song, Java is stoic, and some um, skiffs show up with some weak ways on there with blasters, and they're clearly there to kill G. Jay grabs the mic and yells, Jabba will give you a chance. We will be the number one band in the galaxy. And then he asks Jabba to sponsor them in front of all of these people. Um, so the crowd starts cheering one more song, asking them for an encore. John, Jabba makes this weird hand motion, and the guards shoot over the band's heads. And the skips fly away, and the band continues their Abbey Road rooftop concert. Yeah. Uh, the end. Yeah. So basically, now you're Jabba's slave. <laughs> you're gonna be, you know, locked in, you know, in a music studio with him. You know, kind of like he, he's Phil Spector. You know, forcing you to, uh, you know, holding you at gunpoint. You know, telling you what to do. Uh, you're not not a very big fan of Phil Spector, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, who is? Yeah. He wasn't a good person. <laughs> All right. So, what what do you think is contradictory in the episode as to the theme of the song? Well, it's just that they're 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 going to be like indentured servants pretty much forever because you don't you don't sell yourself. You know, granted, I guess they would get killed, whatever. But you know, it's just like it's like borrowing money from a loan shark or asking a favor from Don Corleone. Um, you don't get to uh just get out of sure. it it's it's something you'll you're you know they'll find a way to make sure that you're always under their thumb for the rest of their lives you know that's how organized crime and just crime in general works i see what you're so saying. i mean i know i'm i'm thinking too far into this but it's just kind of like yeah that's not going to work out very good for you guys and he's going to be you know he's, he's going to take like 80 percent cut <laughs> and um and you know and you guys will just be you know new band members will be you, know, you guys will be like Menudo, and just like random band members will just disappear, and the new ones will just show up. And and Jabba will be the conservator of their their estates, and they won't be able to get haircuts they want to get, and all this other stuff. I'm trying to make a Britney Spears joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice try. Your failures are your own, old man. All right, you've clearly updated your soundboard. Um, so the so I, I do want to talk about whether or not we liked this episode, um, and uh, what what we did like about it. Um, but first, I, I want to just get your your top line um, feelings. So, did you like it? Not particularly, no. All right. So I didn't like it the first time I watched it either. Um, but since I was doing the notes for today. I watched it probably four more times all the way through, and then I probably watched the song 20 times to get the lyrics um, by like backing up 30 seconds and writing down the lyrics, and then backing up 30 seconds and writing down the lyrics. And it really grew on me the more I watched it. And then there's a couple of obvious parallels in this episode. One, we are at the Boon to Eve. Um, which is where Anakin had his pod race. Now this is pod racing. And we played that. I played that clip for you earlier today. Um, but it's it's are we there? But they use the same camera angles as the pod race, as if they had the as if the cameras are fixed in the arena. You know, so all of the points of view we see or points of view we see in episode one. There's a scene where this sort of canopy flies out over the crowd. And then G shoots it with a pyrotechnic that fires out of his guitar and it sets on fire. That canopy is in episode one and it comes out in the exact same shot, the exact same position as it does in the cartoon. That's fun. And then in, during the negotiation or where they sell themselves in the servitude forever to Jabba, um, Jay says, Jabba, we will give you a chance. That is a quote. Jabba! This is your last chance. Free us or die. Luke was a little bit, took a little bit 
more of a harder negotiation stance with um, Jabba than Jay did. Um, but I like that uh, parallel as well. Um, and so this is obviously like a love letter to Tatooine Star Wars, if that makes sense. Um, there's a couple other little things. I was reading plot summaries of this episode, and there's some disagreement about the flashback. Um, some people think the flashback is Order 66. Um, yeah, I thought so. You thought so I too? Thought that, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Um, I want it to be, though, because it makes sense why he would find himself alone and why he would have that connection to G that we don't get an explanation for, because he would be like Caleb, like literally becoming a street rat, if not for like the crime boss that he runs into in the comic. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's sort of like G's really saved him and gave him a place to hide when he needed to. So I, I like that a lot. I like that story. And then that, that sort of leads me to my question to you of when do you think this is taking place? And what, what are you using for that estimation? Um, the main story, not the flashback. I don't, I don't know. It, it could be, it could be any time really. Um, probably, probably like rebels area era, maybe probably like, probably, eh, probably pre, cause he doesn't seem like he's that much older. Um, than he was when you see him at the beginning um but then i don't know it's hard to tell because they all look like fun funko pop uh figurines that are just walking sure. around um i think boba fett is probably the the thing that anchors the time for me the most because i think your guess that it's around the time of rebels which is a few years before a new hope i think that's probably accurate because we see a we don't. We can't tell how old Boba Fett is because he doesn't take his helmet off. But he's clearly sort of on his way to being an established bounty hunter. Um, mm-hmm. Although going to go scoop up some adolescent hut at a rock concert isn't exactly a high-profile job. <laughs> and so maybe, maybe yeah. he's still up and coming. But I, I think your your guess is probably very close. To, your guess is very close to what my guess would be. Is probably. Closer to episode four than it is to episode three. And that's about mm-hmm. a 20-year period, so maybe two-thirds of the way through that period. So five or five to seven years before A New Hope. Plus, Jabba doesn't quite look super fat yet. Yeah. Um, he looks about the size he, he is in the special edition where he's, he's talking with Han. Sorry, I just really did not care for this. I hate... Like like when music is just like you know, like you know injected into um, this sort of um, you know like a story to where that's like it becomes like part of it. Like Robotech had that a lot with um, with um, La, the character Lynn Minmay. She's one two three four one two three four one two three four one two three four one two three. Okay, I thought that. Was- Okay, I can't do that. It's just awful. Um, cause like, so, so the term the term for that is diegetic music, and Star Wars does not have a lot of it. Yeah, but it does have some. Yeah, like I, um, like before, you know, Netflix was, you know, like really, really took off. You know, I, um, I lent a friend the entire Macross uh, saga uh, box set, and he could not get through it because of all the singing. And, and like, and this is a guy who he likes bad movies and stuff like that. So he's not, you know, he's not a horrible. Or since they say he doesn't mind stuff that's bad, and he, after a while, even he could, he was like, "I'm done, I'm out." So I, I, I fear, I fear this next exercise because I, I'm going to drag this out until we find something that you like about this. But I'm, I will give up, I promise. But I, I have a list of all the diegetic music in Star Wars. All the music that the characters themselves can hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like the Cantina Band song. You don't hate that song, do you? No. You quoted Lopty Neck in, yeah, in your I, quote, right? I did that as a joke. Okay, but our, our intro and outro mu- music is diegetic music. It's the Ewok Celebration song. Yeah, that doesn't count. Well, that doesn't count, though. Because it's a, it's a Why cover. Why that count? Um, no, but they sing that song in Star Wars. Yeah, but it's but it's over, you know, like 
it's only a little bit of it, you know, you know, at the very end. You know, it's not like not like Lucas okay. went, like like what he did with the uh uh like with the he did the music at, um at Chabas Palace where all of a sudden the a huge Ewok orchestra breaks out and it's just it was just background. You don't actually see the people singing it, it's just you just hear them. Okay, how about this? Augie's great municipal band. It is the it is the parade at the end of episode one where they give Boss Nass the glowing orb and that's the it's the Naboo song. That's diegetic music. Do you like that? It's or- orchestral. Uh yeah. I um I don't mind stuff that's you know it's part of it this is just it's like they wrote the music first and then they just created the the stuff around it the the story around it that like it's very you know um you know if they didn't have all those examples that you gave if they um didn't exist you know the the movies you know would still be sure just fine the short is about a band Uh, you could you could make Okay, this is a terrible example because I know you hated this story, but remember in a certain point of view, um, there was a whole section about Bigger and Dan and the clue horn? Uh, whatever floats your boat, man. I No, I, I pretty much zoned out after like the ninth uh, clue horn uh, story. All right. I guess, I guess the difference here is, and tell me to get lost, is that I've often made the joke that I would watch a garbage man, a show about a garbage man on Coruscant, like an Ithorian who just emptied garbage. Cause I, I like the idea that there's like mundanity in the star Wars universe, and that there's regular people. It's one of the reasons why I like the Martez sisters when they're, they're just like these, these women that run a repair shop and they, they're not special. Right. And then, but they go on these, they go on this series of unfortunate event adventure because they're forced to make a choice because of their economic circumstances but there's millions and billions of people in that universe that just live their lives and we hardly ever get to hear from them and the idea that no i there's that sort of stuff yeah i i would have no problem you know watching um you know watching you know like you know like participating or like in some sort of vr of star wars where it's just you know like Hey, you get to you get to do a compliance training to be uh you know um to be part of the Death Star sanitation crew, you know. I would totally do that and I would totally watch that. Um I guess I guess that's what this is for me, right? It's 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 absurd because it's sort of like a like a high school drama where it's like nothing's more important than the power of music sort of lie that young people tell themselves. But it it is a job that's in this universe. I mean, we see we see that when they're playing, they're getting they're being broadcast for some reason because Jabba really wants people to see him kill this hut, and so he's like bought airtime, I guess, on whatever their version of CNN is. And you see Figur and Dan yeah. watching it in the cantina. Yeah, I. You, it, it's not gonna okay. coming at this angle. You're you're not gonna you're not going to uh, get me to like it. I really I just don't like that. Just pop. I don't know. Maybe it's just me just being stuffy old guy. I don't like that sort of stuff. Okay, that's fine. I don't know if I I don't know if I ever did. No, I, I'm I'm not gonna pressure you into liking it. I'm just trying to explain why I, I like it. I do like musicals though. But you but musicals aren't diegetic, right? I know. People don't. Like people aren't like watching the jets and the sharks like snap at each other on the streets of New York and dancing in sequence. It's like it's a suspension of disbelief that 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 reality is happening. This is all actually happening in on Tatooine. I just don't. I just don't like when things revolve around it. Okay. You know. Um, you know, it's, it's like a TV show or a movie about like a band. Yeah, obviously you're going to hear them play, but it just. You would you would watch you would watch the sequel to this, where he goes into rehab. Yeah, or like you know he gets super neurotic and makes a big paper mache head and puts it on, and then he just he just sings with that, 
and he's never seen without it. Or, yeah, or he puts on he puts on a motorcycle helmet covered in LEDs, and nobody is quite sure who he is anymore. Yeah. So once you realize that G was a hut, what did you think of him as a hut? I like what you got. He did not look like a hut at all. Um, so so once I knew he was a hut, I could see it. But there's what I have with him as a hut. Like his eyes are too close together. Um, his mouth is weirdly like not the right shape for a hut. Um, but I think that's a little bit of the just the anime style getting in the way of the character design. But overall, what did you think? It was not terrible. I given how the the animation style, you know, I guess it's you know forgivable. But um, I don't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really care for it. I'm I'm trying to. He looks more like a. Looks more like a like a green Eric Cartman. Yeah, he does sort of look like Eric Cartman. But yeah, and then the fact that he has hair and big teeth. I don't know. It's all right. So is he better or worse than um, Zero? Well, I liked I liked Zero's design because he had like it was like the paints or the tattoos. But you know, I didn't care for you know Zero mainly just because he sound you know they're they're doing the Truman Capote sound and it was just quite some. But uh, I'd still say Zero over the over over this guy. Is G or bottom hut? Yeah. I'll just I'll just end my discussion with saying in general I'm in favor of universe building, and I don't need everything to be about bigger plot. Um, and I don't mind that this is about a kid and a hut forming a band. I think it was well done for what it was going for. I think it was silly, but but in a way that all teenage and young 20s stuff is sort of silly him signing a contract with java is a stupid move financially are you texting me yeah we're on the phone why are you texting me (laughs) it's that what i what i sent was a uh, a meme of uh from uh the joker and the the top half is robert de niro and the bottom half is uh joaquin phoenix is the joker and up top, Robert De Niro's character is saying, let me get this straight. You think Tatooine Rhapsody is so great? And the bottom, the Joker is saying, I do, and I'm tired of people saying it's not. Yeah, so I'm the Joker. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's great. It's it's cute, and it's fun. And it um, at the Boonty Eve Classic in Episode 1, that's where Anakin Skywalker first showcased his Force abilities. At, the, at this concert, the Padawan, former Padawan J puts his hair up into a top bun, like the way like Kanan's hair was um, in Rebels, and it's stylized for like a samurai. The top knot? Yeah, the top knot sort of haircut or hairstyle. And it's it's him coming to terms with his past. The song is about like embracing who you are, knowing that you're okay, and sort of introducing yourself to the world. And then he does a forced, a forced jump at the end and he jumps super high he's showing the world like who he is it's a it's a personal empowerment song and personal empowerment moment whether or not that's effective or not or whether or not it's because we're in disagreement about this but i think that is a decent message for a cartoon targeted at their audience it's don't worry about, don't worry about your past just be who you are and be yeah. proud of that and that's how that's how I'm going to end my discussion about it. But go ahead and say whatever you want. Yeah, I can totally get behind that, but but I still think it's trash. I don't care for it at all. I don't I don't like it. But you know I have to you know divorce myself from that. You know this isn't this is just this could be anything. You know this could be anything. They just you know this this could have already been something completely different. And then like oh. You know, they want us to do a Star Wars thing. Well, let's just change this to to um, you know to put a little Star Wars spin on it. You know, it's just uh, I just don't I just don't like this sort of thing. I don't I don't want to see you know the sack attack in Star Wars. All right, do you want to go on to the ratings? So now's the time where we rate an episode. Uh, the episodes. Uh, a good episode would uh, be a. Uh, Original trilogy characters such as uh, Han, Luke, Leia, Vader, Chewie, etc., and a really bad episode would just be something, somebody uh, I don't know, um, 
really crappy like the um that the, the first the first decayed spider that grogu eats in in um in the um in that uh, episode where they're uh marooned on the ice planet just kind of the arachnophobia episode yeah. jesus christ <laughs> that that is so stressful yeah all right so uh, so matt what do you give this one i'm going to stick with my non-canon cast of characters um and i'm going to give it a prince zizor oh okay yeah so prince zizor from the non-canon or decanonized um shadows of the empire series he's an important character um but he's sort of a bitch too uh so i like this episode i don't think it's great but i think it's it's worth the watch um for me uh i'll leave it at that i've talked i've talked a lot about this episode today and i've defended it the best i could um and we're not gonna we're not gonna get we're not gonna get any closer uh you've done that you've done a uh you know a remarkable job um so i I give you credit for that um i'm going to give this a an urga urga being the queen of the dulocks because she is so annoying that when she talks all i can think of is please stop oh god please stop and that's kind of how i felt about this episode um good pick i i like urga i i (laughs) They have like this honeymooners sort of like relationship where he's constantly threatening her with domestic violence. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. All right, I think we've done it to death. Yeah, so uh, you know that's the episode. You know, please, uh, you know, uh, tell a friend. You know, if if you enjoyed it, you know, we we don't advertise, and so you know, word of mouth is how um, you know how we get listeners, and um, you know if. If you uh, you didn't like it, uh, you know, tell somebody at work that you don't like because you know you hate their fucking guts. All right, so thank you in advance. So uh, we'll be back with the next episode of Visions: The Twins. Is that the name? The Twins. The twins are next. The Twins are next. All right. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan Wright for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewa, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, Please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only.